0: Welcome to the podcast, we're Phil and Jen, and this season's called We Can Make Change, and this is episode six, and this one is a conversation with our friends Trace Bell and Tina Olson. And we met Trace and Tina through Trace's dad, our friend Rob Bell, but when we met them, they were it was like we met them separately. There was Trace, and then there was Tina, and now they're Trace and Tina. And they're a couple, and they're doing new work together, which Jen and I love because, well... We're a couple that are doing new work together, and it's fun to connect with friends doing similar things along the way and laugh together and be like, man, we had to work through that fight this morning before we could lock into this uh, podcast episode. So, um, you know, you kind of get it. So Trace became captivated by the experience of consciousness and especially how our internal selves, our consciousness grows and evolves and changes over time. And that is what a lot of his work is about, is helping people grow. Um, and integrate that. And he says spirituality is about connecting all the different aspects of your life so that you have a cohesive and integrative spirituality that includes rather than excludes and ignores. And he says what he's passionate about is helping people develop a full picture spirituality that's about exploration and integration. Tina has a master's degree in political theory, a background in corporate strategy, and is also a certified theta healer and energy leadership coach. And she says she believes that a loving, joyful, beautiful life is possible if we're willing to do the hard work of healing and expanding and growing. And she holds a vision of love-based systems and interdependent relationships. And what Trace and Tina are up to is they're leading courses together, teaching spiral dynamics, helping people learn about and integrate their own spiritual growth in their individual lives, as well as in corporate settings. Uh, their courses include uh, Head to Heart, Integrated Spaces, Living the Spiral, and Kids in Spirituality. And he talks about raising kids, but from the perspective not of being a parent. Because he is not a parent at this point in his life, but rather his experience as a kid coming through his parents' home, which is super interesting. Uh, Their courses can be found at Trace's website, TraceBell.com. It's got three L's.
1: But before we jump into that conversation, I want to share something else with you. We have something new on the site, which is an audio download of How to Reimagine Your Life. So what we've done is we've taken everything that we learned from our three How to Reimagine Your Life experiences- Um, in different locations. And we've taken all that and we've put it into an audio download. It's two hours. And along with that, we have a workbook for you to help you go through and really evaluate um, your life. And so we are just in this really unique time where I think so much of life has been disrupted and shifted from this global pandemic and upheaval, and we're not going back to the way things were. And so this is just a really incredible opportunity for a reset and a chance to evaluate the way that we're relating to all different areas of our life. And I think a lot of people are doing that, just looking at their priorities, their relationships, the way that they're interacting with their work. And so whether you're, you know, really just wanting to take a look at your perspective and make a change there, or whether you're looking at making massive kind of changes in your life, uh, this experience will just provide intentional space for you to examine your life. Does discern what you want next and what's next for you, and then actually take practical steps into that. And so our hope is that you would enter into this experience wherever you're at and just find fresh vision and encouragement for your next season ahead. So you can check that out. And now episode six, Trace Bell and Tina Olson.
0: Guys, welcome. Welcome on to the podcast. We're so glad that you're here, uh, Tina and Trace. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. This is this is going to be so fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's so exciting to connect with you. Yeah, so fun to see you guys
1: again. All right, you want to start us out?
0: Yeah, we are doing this season, this season three, and we're talking about um, you can make change. And the idea is just hopeful conversations with people making beautiful change in the world. And we've um, been following you guys and the work that you guys have been doing together. And um, it's really exciting. It's really different. I don't know anybody doing... The kind of work that you're doing, um, even so specifically, and um, but before we get into that, you are doing it as a team. You're doing it as partners,
1: which we obviously love,
0: which we're <laughs> we're pumped on. And so, um, tell us about that. What has your experience been doing this work together as a team? Tell us about it.
3: It's it's been incredible. I mean, Tina and I all like routinely talk about how um, amazing having this this element of doing work together is in our relationship. And we, we've started a relationship with each other, but we weren't doing work with each other for a couple months there. Right. In the, in, right there in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: it's, this is like relationship COVID style, <laughs> which is like meet on zoom through yeah. Trace's dad, Rob Bell, who's a spiritual teacher that I have followed for a few years and love his work. And I was like, I'll have Trace in the podcast. Yeah. And then we meet in person a month later. And of course, because COVID we move in.
1: Of course, just naturally all the way
2: in. Because that's what you do. <laughs> Dive into the deep end. I wasn't living co-located to Trace. And how do you start a relationship in Trace's parents' house? So it's just hilarious to me because I'm like, well, then of course, like three months in, you put on a website that you're going to do a class together that's going to last seven weeks right. when you're still thinking in your head, am I going to still see this person in seven hey, weeks? That is
0: an interesting layer.
2: That is a good point.
0: Actually, let's do a seven week class and let's. So if we're still here like,
2: at that point in time, it was like what 30% longer than our relationship had been or something.
0: <laughs> like Whoa, be good future. point. <laughs> I didn't realize the timeline.
2: That's amazing. And I feel like it can
1: either like really catalyze things either way at that point, you know?
0: Absolutely. And, and one
3: of the things that that really like just in the first couple of months of our relationship is like Tina started teaching me the, the material that I was teaching, Tina started like teaching me it in yeah. like even deeper way. Like she helped me developed such a deeper relationship to the stuff I was talking about and really gave me even more of a lived experience of a lot of the stuff um, that I was teaching and helping people with. Um, So it became like, we were both so kind of in tune with our our bodies and our intuition that like, when we knew it was time to start work together, like there was just no hesitation. There felt like no, I mean, from from an external kind of outside point of view, it might be like, well, that's a little, it's a little soon to be like doing a seven week course together. But like, we were so kind of um, in tune with each other. And it was such a powerful experience, really learning, um, learning from her and having, realizing how much uh, deeper, she helped me understand a lot of the stuff that I was teaching and, and the new ways that she was, and the new perspectives that she was um, giving me a lot of different things that it was like, the, the, it just felt like so such a right fit mm-hmm. at the time. It just felt so right to each of us that it felt like, of course, you know?
2: Yeah. And also we had a conversation in a car. I remember one day coming back from the grocery store, <laughs> oh, yeah. plotting whether or not we should pretend we're not in the same location teaching these classes
1: right yeah like or do people know that you're in a relationship or not like do you right so it, at, yeah. and
2: at first it was like we were very much not like on the website it was like so I brought Tina in to to team up with me to teach right. this thing right yeah.
1: from really far away like the other room right <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, net, really that's interesting yeah.
2: yeah because it's like I mean it's it's the fine line of everything right of like What's our privacy? What's yeah. what's distracting potentially? How like assured are we of this partnership? Like showing up right. as partners is a whole nother level of a relationship yeah. than building something between two people in the first place, right? And of course, again, because of COVID, we hadn't like, other than with his family, we hadn't had like social situations. Mm-hmm showing up in public as partners, you know, I mean, it's very vulnerable. It was very, very fascinating. But of course, after talking ourselves around in circles and saying a lot of really silly things, we came to a realization of like, no, 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 all the work we do is about alignment. We're not going to like pretend that we're something other than we're not, We don't need to overtly come out in the first class and say, oh, by the way, uh, here's the, uh, here's the other theme going on here. But we were like, we don't need to, Pretend people can pick up what they pick up. And I think by about like the third group that we started, so maybe a couple months in, then it was finally just overt that we were like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a thing.
3: Yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. that conversation in the car. And I remember like talking to her, like, okay, I can be like in that this room, you can be in this room. So therefore, like, we'll be on separate screens, but when I'm speaking, like, you won't be able to hear me in the room that you're mm-hmm. in. I remember like, it's like a really like convoluted <laughs> plan to like, where we could both be on separate screens. And then like oh, listening yeah. to myself, you know, like say that, and be like, wait, hold on, Trace, yeah. like, so take a step back here. Like how ridiculous is it? You're trying to come up with this like convoluted plan so that people don't know that you're together. No, it, it, the power, part of the power of this is our partnership. And actually yeah. like Tina and I, teaching together and integrating all of this is actually one of the gifts we're giving people um, is that it's not something to actually like hide from or try to like stray away from. It's actually something to, you know, integrate fully into your work. Um, it's not about sort of hiding. And it was really interesting. It was really funny to just listen to myself kind of coming up with this. And that was a huge aha for, uh, for me and for us. It felt like, of like, no, this is actually um, our partnership is part of the power of this.
2: Yeah. And, and the level of vulnerability, I mean, of like, we're still getting used to us right. We're now creating this brand new thing that we've never done in the before and putting out into the world and saying hey trust us to guide you for seven weeks yeah like there's like of course we had questions about how one would do that. <laughs> right
1: yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i love it so much though and you guys are such a great compliment to each other i mean we were even laughing looking at like your two websites because you guys are so different in oh just gosh. the way you present yourselves on the websites. Like Trace is all like dark and like Black more and like moody. Text. And
0: you're like
1: no light. And, and but love, I feel like, like
0: a color splash. It's like polar opposite.
1: But you guys compliment each other so well. And it's beautiful guys. I love it so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you
3: so much. And that's been one of the, the biggest joys of teaching with her is like, we just have sort of have this like natural intelligence between us when we're working with people. Like, like when someone says something like who who answers first and then who like mm-hmm. who complements that answer and like just the 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 kind of natural integration of both of our perspectives mm-hmm. um in this work has been really fun and kind of we how we can just like intuitively feel. Um, so we we both complement each other so well. It's like there's so many things, there's so many interactions I have with people when I'm when I'm with Tina where I'm like, if it was just me and that person, like I don't know exactly how it like I don't know exactly how it answer that just by myself. But like having Tina there, it's like just like a perfect kind of uh, mm-hmm. mix of our perspectives to really yeah. help people.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that, um, Trace. Our boys. I don't know if you know this, but they still talk about you and that conversation oh. that we had. <laughs> you really made an impact.
3: Yeah, in the front
0: yard.
1: Um, about. I remember
3: that. That was an amazing. This... They may had an impact on me too. That was an amazing, like, <laughs> was an amazing moment just to see like how like enlivened and excited they were. It was awesome.
1: I mean, Carter will just like randomly bring it up out of nowhere. He's
0: like, I don't it's think like you, fully, you know, dad. obviously get conscious. You know,
1: consciousness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell we us about expand that. Expand on that,
0: Carter. He's like, <laughs> consciousness dad um, <laughs> doesn't give us farther but
1: obviously <laughs> he, too.
2: he knows yeah. that he is just infinite consciousness oh he's he's i feel like
1: he knows a lot more than he lets on he's he's got like a deep understanding deep <laughs> no, really sharp but um obviously that made an impact on our family and i love seeing that you're like teaching about this so much now and doing this such a part of your works can you it's obviously it's a really complex idea yeah. but is there any way that you could kind of just like narrow that down and sum up that idea of consciousness and, and how that's helping people in the work that you guys are doing?
3: Yeah, absolutely. To me, consciousness is actually just a, a fancy word for what is always here, and what is always right now. Um, con- you can t- use consciousness, the present moment. Um, I was, I had this deep fascination with consciousness ever since I've been a little kid. Uh, but ultimately what I was fascinated by is what is this, what is the isness that's always here? Because we, we have, we have this, these human experiences, but we're in, in uh, experiencing these human experiences through consciousness and we're experiencing them in the present moment. So just like really developing an even more, a deeper and deeper relationship relationship with consciousness in the present moment um, has really been my journey it's really been my my kind of thread and through line through uh, into spirituality um, so so consciousness again it's like you said it's a, it can be kind of like a complex and kind of abstract concept um, but we really bring it down to um, right now it's it's what's happening right now right here and spirituality boils down to coming da- coming back to what's right now and right here um mm-hmm. so that's probably the best way i would mm-hmm. describe it
2: i love that yeah, it's, it's so interesting because I was just thinking about like, how does, I'd say the main thing that I work with is energy, even though that mm-hmm. comes in many different forms. Yeah. And so like energy is like what makes up consciousness. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's the substance of consciousness. It's just, we don't, we don't think about it that way because I have something in front of me that we all agree that we call a table or a desk and it's mm-hmm. wood. Right. And, and then there's like a chair or a wall, or a window. And so we're so used to naming our fixed objects in reality. We're so used to looking what's already on the page, what's been written. We're so used to seeing how someone is currently presenting themselves. And Mm -hmm. then in some part of us, I think it's probably the part of us that deeply knows that like Rob talks about this in his current show that we're on a tilted planet (laughs) and it's spinning at what is it 65,000 miles an hour or whatever hurling through space it doesn't even matter how fast really fast Fast. (laughs) yeah and we're we're down here on this earth by this concept called gravity but we often don't think about gravity unless we're either like in the act of falling or or like for me, it feels like I wake up in the morning sometimes and I feel like I have to actively try to ground myself. I was doing this Mm -hmm. this morning, like, okay, bring that like roots out of the body into the ground. Like I don't actually have to do that. The ground holds me here, Mm. but it's like this, there's this energy, there's this sense, there's this feeling. And so I feel like we live in this almost like well it is very dualistic reality where on the one hand our minds and our brains are trying to make sense of this physical world and all the chaos that's transpiring inevitably at all times and so we try to put some sort of fixed nature to it to make ourselves feel like kind of okay and then the other hand like what's actually going on here is we're constantly changing we're constantly observing new realities we're constantly creating reality in the present moment in every moment every interaction we have the choice of something rooted in love which i believe is the energy of the entire universe or something rooted in fear Hmm. and so when trace talks about consciousness and the oneness of everything and the nature of the present moment it's almost like he's describing this the container that's infinite so it's not actually a container but Sure. You you got to use words. (laughs) Right. And I'm like describing like the substance in the container.
3: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a very, that's a a really great way to put it. Yeah. It's, it's so fun how Tina and I have these like different kind of like uh, avenues that we came into spirituality through and how they both complement each other. Um, and, and she's taught me so much about energy work and, and energy healing. Um, so our different perspectives, they, they overlap and align in so many ways, but they're also different in different ways, which is really fun. Tina uses the analogy of like, we're both like in this kind of like, like dark room, but we, and we both have like flashlights in different parts and like sometimes our flashlights overlap, but our flashlights are like showing different parts of this room and looking at different parts of this room. So um it's it's just amazing to be in a relationship with someone where I can constantly learn so much about all the stuff that I teach about.
0: (laughs) Isn't it interesting to see it embodied in different ways, different people? Yeah. Um we we were talking about um that the energy concept it's it's such a hard thing to get your mind around that even like scientifically at a quantum level we're talking about this at some of our events recently um that like there's more space between atoms and there are atoms there's more space between particles and there are particles and like Mm -hmm. there's no hard center it's just like it's essentially just a complex relationship of energy Mm -hmm. fascinating it's just it It just
1: kind of blows up all the understandings that you come into like you said the, the hard table you know the
0: yeah. But then even understanding like what consciousness is in the midst of that. And like, it's like that energy comes together on borrowed material, essentially to give you this life. It's a wild, wild life that we have.
2: It, it really, it, it is. And if we think about it too hard, we're just going to hurt ourselves. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
1: So um, another thing that we love to talk about is spiral dynamics. And you guys have been doing some work around spiral dynamics. And I think working with people in businesses as well, is that, are you using it in in the context of business? Do we get that right?
3: Yep. We've been doing organizational coaching with people on spiral dynamics and raising consciousness.
1: That's so awesome. And so how does that, how do you, can you, for our listeners who haven't heard of spiral dynamics, can you give us just like a brief, like, what is it? And then how does that relate you know to the spiritual journey
2: yeah
3: yeah so spiral dynamics is a psychological development model um, that maps the patterns of growth in individuals and groups so it maps how uh, humans individually grow um, across their lifetimes and also how groups grow so countries um certain just any sort of a collection of people how it grows and it, it, it details how uh, people have grown throughout history and also where the next stages of growth are headed. So the definition I like for spiral dynamics is that it maps the evolution of consciousness and the development of consciousness. And it shows how consciousness unfolds in these universal patterns. Um, so one of the, the I mean, we, we could talk for for hours about yeah. the uses of spiral dynamics, but one of the, the thing that makes it so important for the spiritual journey is that it's a, the power is that it's a framework and a language that puts um, words and language to a lot of things that people have experienced and intuited. So, a lot of people um, have grown through these stages and see, seen these stages map in spiral dynamics. Um, they they've felt them in their own life, and then spiral dynamics comes in and says, Actually, there's a ton of data and research that actually shows that these are um, specific. Specific, uh, stages that humans grow through so it's very their they're sort of a community that's associated with a specific religion they left their church and they're like why have i grown but these people around me haven't grown it's like "Spiral dynamics is actually like um oh that's actually a specific stage that's actually a very universal um human pattern is growing out of that so it gives a lot of reassurance to people In you know i'm not i'm not crazy i'm not losing my mind i'm actually this mm-hmm. is actually a, a natural progression of consciousness and then why Tina and i like it so much is that it's all about, um, integration and integrating all of these stages within yourself. And there's all of these stages have a healthy component and healthy aspect and integrated consciousness is all about, um, integrating the health of all of these stages. So Tina and I really like it because it, it's like a really nice vehicle for us to work on, mm-hmm. work with people on their personal journey, um, give them this amazing framework and also just help them in their own lives, like in a very practical way um, integrate all these different aspects and just live a more healthy aligned, um, kind of whole life. Um, how would you, would you add anything to that?
2: Yeah. The work is in healing the unhealth that you experienced and then growing the health to me, spiral dynamics gives that invitation of, we really can like clean our own house, get stronger, um, grow, expand in a way And this framework provides what feels like almost never ending material in that, because you have everything from at the baseline, getting really, really good at what's called stage beige, or we call it survival, but we break it down during class and oh, lo and behold, it's 60% of Trace's day. Like you're sleeping, you're eating, you're drinking water, you're exercising, you're doing your hygiene, you're taking care of your emotions. Like those are not afterthoughts most humans in America do not do that well. Mm-hmm. And so what would happen if you actually just started doing that really well, mm-hmm. how would the rest of your life change? And then we can zoom all the way up to the other end of tier one, which is stage green, which is equality, which is what is bringing us continued social justice movements and LBGT QIA and, and, um, all these, you know, continued invitations to get deeper and deeper compassion into things where, no, we can't jump into a different socioeconomic status, a different skin color, um, a different context in that kind of way, but we can learn and open ourselves to awareness and have conversations and listen. And so there really is, as you can see, those are just two examples of the stages, but like that could be a couple of years worth of work on its own. Right. It's, it's about, about seeing
3: all of it as a spiritual practice too, about seeing all of it as these, as these different fascinating facets of consciousness spirit source whatever word you want to give it mm-hmm. but seeing all of it as the health integrating the health of all of those as a spiritual practice and something that you know my dad i mean i have i make the joke a lot that you know i know this guy that says everything is spiritual it's like the corniest <laughs> joke i have um but it always gets some cheap laughs from all oh, yeah. people but um, it is it's a great line it's it stuck with people for a reason is. everything is yep. spiritual and, and the spiral really exemplifies that
1: mm, yeah what would you say to someone who because i just I think the spiral is so helpful in so many ways, but for somebody who is, knows kind of that they're on this journey, like you said, where they're growing and maybe they kind of feel like out all alone, you know, like, what would you say to somebody who's maybe transitioning from one stage of the spiral to the next and maybe it's disorienting or they're kind of feeling like, oh, like now what mm-hmm. can you speak to that person? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, I think I think uh, that kind of that uncomfortable, unsure feeling is is like everyone on the spiritual journey feels that that mm-hmm. feeling. There's there's a there's an inherent kind of unknown to um, any spiritual journey, and, and really being able to rest in the unknown um, and being getting sort of like comfortable with the feeling of being uncomfortable. I think is a is a huge part of this journey, and knowing that whatever is on the other side is always better. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's, when you, whenever you disrupt the, the kind of norms around you or whenever you grow out of what's kind of accepted around you, there's always going to be that period where there's huge question marks and there's like huge, like, okay, what's going on here? There's a lot of unknown, but the the other side is always something greater, more beautiful, more expansive. Um, the spiral dynamics shows us that consciousness has this upward trajectory towards more, uh, ability for complexity, depth, growth, uh, intricacy. So everything is always headed on this upward trajectory, but there's, but in that upper trajectory, there's going to be times when things feel unknown and things feel mm-hmm. unsure. Um, but it's, it's part of the journey. What would you say about that?
2: Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I agree with everything you said. And I think part of what you're describing is the ability to be comfortable, with the uncertainty and in the liminal space. Um, mm-hmm. There's a sense that when we're growing and when we don't know what's next, if we put something in too soon, it's like we limit our own growth spurt. We limit our ability by trying to create certainty too soon mm,
1: yeah.
2: before certainty, like we all know those moments of epiphany right? When it's like, Oh, that's the wisdom. And when we get those epiphanies, it's like, it hits on like a cellular level. Like Mm -hmm. it hits in every little part of your body. And that's actually literal. Like your energetic field has changed and now aligned to that new wisdom. Mm -hmm. So when we let that just come in and emerge from within and that, when does that happen? when we're distracted or calm, like we're in the shower, we're on a walk with the dog, mm-hmm. like you're sleeping and the first thing you wake up in the morning or maybe you even have a dream of this epiphany, right? It's not when we're like trying to force with our heads thinking the next thing that's gonna
0: right. arise,
2: mm-hmm. right? And the other element of all this, I think is a sense that we are truly co-creators mm-hmm. of our reality. And so while we deeply know in our soul when it's time to wait, when you're just at a red light and it's like, it's time to just wait at the intersection for a while, enjoy your music, your podcast, conversation with the people in your car, but you're sitting at an intersection or in traffic. It's time to wait. Other times, or even in that waiting time, if we forget we're co-creators, we forget to be curious and we also forget that we we can shape what comes in. So going full circle back to your original question about basically like the people, the humans who you've, you very well may have had extremely changed relationships with. You may have lost an entire community worth of friendships. Now, granted, of course, you're understanding they were friendships on a certain level because there was some amount of conditional love involved in the situation, but nevertheless, that's still a very real loss. Well, what about putting pen on paper And saying, wouldn't it be sometimes the the highest level thing we can say is, wouldn't it be nice? And then just start letting yourself, write. I love doing that with that sentence Mm -hmm. over and over again, especially if you're feeling really low about something,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: wouldn't it be
2: nice is kind of that neutral, like not asking for too much, but it would, it would be kind of nice. And wouldn't it be nice if, wouldn't it be nice if people just like somehow magically appeared? whatever word you like to use maybe it's not magic maybe it's if if someone happens to be at my such and such next week or if an old friend who's grown and chooses to reach out and reconnect with us or i happen to meet somebody you know we don't have to know the details as a matter of fact the fewer details we put in the better it's more about the feeling um an example of this i was feeling A lot of fear around getting my condo rented out in Chicago. There were, there was a ton of supply, very little demand this summer.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And all of a sudden I woke up one morning. I was like, wait a minute, here I am trapped in fear and scarcity, but all I need to do is reconnect to what this condo did for me and invite that same thing to be available to somebody else. And so I started writing just like a letter of gratitude Mm. to my experience there, the energy it held me and the emotional, whatever word you want to use, the the space being a place of healing, a place of freedom, a place of um, security. And then I was like, may whomever needs that on a journey, may that person find this for everybody's, I love adding for everybody's highest and best. Cause I don't like making wishes <laughs> for other people or some might call uh-huh. it a prayer or a blessing or whatever. Like I don't like overly specifying on behalf of other people's lives. Cause the ego can get involved in that one. But I just like adding like for the highest and best of everyone involved, but we actually get to be co-creators. So there's time for waiting. And then there's also time for, okay, I'm ready. I've healed enough. I'm actually wanting something to come in instead of sitting here like a victim acting like I just need, you know, the universe to finally give me the green light. I actually can start before I have to go out and start interviewing the people who are sitting around Starbucks and finding out if anybody would be a good friend, (laughs) I can actually put pen to paper Mm -hmm. and be a co-creator of my own life and let life that knows a lot more than I know. And whether you call that God or source or spirit or the universe let that benevolent force bring what's next to you. It always works. It might not be on your particular timeline, but that's tends to do a lot more about us and what we still have to learn than it has to do with it. It's not like the universe or God is like sleeping on us.
3: And that's, that's so well said, um, Tina, because one of the things we, we notice in, in working with people is um, a lot of the people we work with have come out of an organized religious mm-hmm. setting. So they've, they've, they're on some process, the word they use a lot is deconstruction, they've really yeah. had to like deconstructed a lot mm-hmm. of their beliefs and their upbringing. Um, and that's, which is, that's, that's part of the journey is, is the deconstruction, but there also is a process of reconstruction too. And we right. sometimes when people get too um, far in that polarity of like only deconstruction and they're they're it's like, they almost become too much of a reaction to what came before them. There isn't a lot of intentional work done to put, um, new things in place and like, and really take a sort of uh, intentional co-creative approach to the life that you're they're building um, and the life that they want. So like, I, I love that, that Tina added that of like, yeah, if you, if you have moved past, if you move beyond your community and you've lost a lot of friendships and that's painful and you're kind of in that unknown space, like put to, but make some intentions of like, wouldn't it be nice to have yeah. Um, a new level of friendship. Wouldn't it be nice to connect with people in a deeper way? Wouldn't it ha- be nice to have, uh, friendships that are all about unconditional love rather than conditional love, like my old, my older ones? So it's this, it's this balance of deconstruction and reconstruction at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, love that. I love that. We've been talking about that a lot. Sorry.
0: Um, no, I, a lot of people talk about spiral dynamics. Um, and my, our, a lot of friends and I, we, it's constant, constant language. Um, I love the way you guys are figuring out and learning how to integrate it into people's like on the ground life. Yeah. And, and, and often when I hear people talk about like growing from one stage to another, it's, it's almost like it has to happen to you. It's like a death. Mm. Um, and then it's, it's, it's almost like we were describing that scary space, but you're describing taking people through an intentional process of, like through the surfing analogy of actually like figuring out how to press into growth. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't just blindside you and knock you out where you feel lost for a season. Um, But actually like, how are you intentionally sort of curious and probing into growth and change? So it's an, it's an ongoing process. I, I I love that. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot more reconstructive than it is lost. It's, it's more like a constant process of growth and change and, evolution of consciousness like you're describing i i love that and i feel like few people it's it's a great tool that i've seen people use that um deconstructs but um it feels like the way you're describing it is a really neat process of like really practical reconstructing i love that Mm -hmm. thank
3: you so much yeah that was one of our our main focuses and goals when, when we taught when we taught the spiral was A lot of times the spiral is kind of taught and understood in this very kind of like hierarchical way where people learn it. They're like, how do I get out of my stage? You get to this higher stage. And they kind of view it as like one more thing to like achieve or one more ladder to move up on. And Tina and I intentionally focused on the fact that each of the stages mapped in spiral dynamics has a healthy way that it looks and has a health to it that's necessary to integrate. So it removes that hierarchical nature because when you focus on the health, no stage is actually better or more important than another stage because all the health of each stage is equally as important. So for us, it's so much less about like trying to figure out how you like work your way up the spiral. And it's actually just a focus mm-hmm. on how do you integrate in a practical way? How do you integrate the health of all of these stages? Because that's actually what elevates your consciousness and allows you to live more integrated. Um, so we, we purposely, we, mm-hmm. we really intentionally teach it in a way in which we're trying to like remove a lot of the kind of unnecessary ideas that people kind of get about it that turns into one more mind game or one more Mm -hmm. way that people kind of separate and label and actually use it as a a tool to become more whole and integrated um, and have more compassion and empathy.
2: Mm -hmm. I love that. It's really beautiful to watch people actually embrace their growth instead of it being a process of just like continued having it happen to you Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. external life events. Yeah. Um, The victim. Yeah. Yeah. And then how can you not feel like half life is happening to you when every single thing is like, it only comes because you lost the job, you lost the human, you lost the relationship, you, someone's yelling at you again, you got sued, you know, like, of course that's going to feel like life happening to you. Um, so yeah, we're huge advocates of taking a proactive approach. Doesn't mean we can avoid all hard circumstances, but does mean we're better equipped when they happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love the, the idea, just like the empowerment that you're talking about, you know, and even just like, um, the value of each of the stages. Like we talk about that with our kids, like our kids need a lot of blue, you know, like they're in They kids need like some of those like building blocks. Like we can't just like start like teaching them at like a, you know, at this like green yellow level and expect them to like, have already integrated all these other steps along the way. You know what I mean? And so
0: yeah, you can't die to a self that you have yet that you to, don't have to develop. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you
1: very, very long. Yeah. So um it's interesting because you guys are doing some work around kids and spirituality. And um I love it's such an interesting lens because you don't have kids, Trace. <laughs> um so what do you feel like is the most what has been the most valuable kind of thing that you're you that you've said or that's kind of coming out of those spaces that you feel like you could share right now with like just our listeners just because it's so interesting you're you're doing work with kids and spirituality and speaking from your experience right
3: yeah, yeah. I've I've loved doing doing talking to working with parents about uh kids and spirituality and helping them parent in a more spiritually uh evolved way has been really, really fun for me because people know my background, they know the, yeah. the household I grew up in, they knew me growing up with my dad being a spiritual teacher. Um, so it's 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 kind of funny how it kind of like flipped it, because usually parents that would be, I mean, people that would be teaching something about how to talk to your kids about something would be like people that have kids, but this time it's like actually the kids saying, here's what worked for me. Um, so great. I'm able to like really in detail, talk about the environment that my parents created that allowed me to grow spiritually and kind of mature into my own um, spirituality and find my own path. Um, so the most important thing that that I uh, tell parents is that really curiosity is the engine for all of it. Um, curiosity, you want to, in, in your household, you want to create an environment where, Um, You are fueling and and fostering curiosity at every possible turn because um, now that we have people um, like myself and like Tina who came into spirituality through um, other doorways other than organized religion. So like my parents, for example, came to to spirituality. I call like a doorway is kind of like the avenue, the kind of the thing that led them into spirituality. Their doorway was organized religion. My doorway wasn't organized religion. My doorway was just a kind of natural curiosity and wonder and awe about the universe, a natural kind of fascination with the mystery of consciousness and just this kind of like yearning to explore reality, knowing reality is here and knowing it's here to be explored. Um, so the most important thing my parents did was they never, ever um, pushed Christianity or pushed any sort of organized religion on me. They only ever let me have my own curiosity and they only ever encouraged um, and foster that curiosity. So they only ever encouraged my questions. They only ever celebrated in the fact that I was curious about things and I had wonder and awe about things. They never put any sort of stress or worry or tension about on me about that I maybe wasn't having the same doorway as them. So the thing that I really um, stress to parents is like, uh, your kid will might have a different doorway than you. And as a parent, you really want to pay attention to the, the questions that they're asking, the things that they're curious about, and really create the environment that allows them to find their own doorway into spirituality. So it's all about the curiosity as an engine. Whatever your kid is curious about, whatever questions they're asking about are giving you a really important uh, look into what their doorway could be and letting them letting them have the freedom to mature into their own spirituality is the only way that'll be authentic um, this is that's that's why my journey was authentic and that's why I I mean I felt like it was a, a calling for me to, to teach about consciousness and spirituality because I was just allowed to grow into it authentically I never had any like pressure from my parents like you should be into spirituality or you should be reading this they only um, ever just let me find my own path so it's this balance of Um, you're influencing your kids through your way of being and you're also letting them remain autonomous at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So those those are really what uh, I help parents with the most.
2: It's so fun to watch too, because I feel like um, what Trace is doing, maybe without realizing it, is he's relieving all of these anxieties Mm. of this new generation of parents who've had to deconstruct their own religious Mm -hmm. upbringing. And so Trace is like, he doesn't even have to say it during the thing. Like I'm 23 and I'm a spiritual teacher. (laughs) It didn't all go off the rails. It's fine. As a matter of fact, he found it a lot sooner in life than many people do. Right. And especially without having to spend all those years deconstructing things or worse yet, a lot of people have religious trauma and not saying that there isn't such a thing as healthy blue communities, but, you know, if, If you're asking these questions, then my guess is your blue community isn't working for you. Right. And or not entirely. And so I think Trace is just a great poster child for you can you can go free range. And if you foster the curiosity, like the kid is still probably going to end up on the rails somehow. It just and as a matter of fact, that kid might start teaching you some things, um, which is really, really cool. And the other thing I wanted to add too is back to Spiral Dynamics. So stage purple is the second stage mapped in spiral dynamics. We call it magic or magical. And this is where we believe the heart of spirituality truly is in human beings. This is where humans went from surviving all day to actually realizing they had an interconnectedness with the world out there, the cosmos, that there was something behind doing ritual, doing you know things with a tribe, all of that. There's a difference between just being. And then, and, and surviving and then actually being like, oh, we can organize, we can gather and we can actually like have some sort of concept of in, in here, in the heart and out there in the world. And so then we move forward in spiral dynamics to stage blue where religious institutions are. So most people think that like religion and spirituality are inextricably intertwined. But the reality is if we walk people back to stage purple, it's something much more primal Than the community, the organization, the religion. It's actually like, what is that original connection that each one of us has? And it probably is going to look different. It probably isn't very um, controllable, profitable, like (laughs) all these things that actually cause humans to continue to move on and explore other ways, right? But when we go back to the heart of purple, we actually get to ask the other humans in their lives, whether they're kids or whether they're, you know, a a friend or, or our elders, we get to ask them what their doorways actually are. Is it nature? Is it music? Mm -hmm. Is it art? Is it, what are you just naturally drawn to that makes you feel the most connected to your own inner world, your center? Because when you're most connected to that place, you're most connected to everything else out in the world too. So it's, it's a really cool like way to go back and just start playing. Like if every kid actually got asked these questions Mm -hmm. or every parent just observed what their kid's natural doorways were, we would have a lot more empowered, a lot more compassionate, a lot more loving society than we have right now.
0: Yeah. Go
1: ahead. I was just going to say, it requires you to really know your kids though you mm-hmm. know in their their unique personalities and who yeah. they were uniquely created to A be deep in relationship the, it and requires an intimacy then yeah. on that level to like be able to like help like foster whatever that thing is for that unique child I mean all Slower of our kids, pace, our three kids are so different you know
0: well I mean that's their yeah.
1: doorways are completely different I'm sure well and
0: then the I don't know. I mean, all the statistics of whatever are out the door now with COVID, but um, I mean, you can't even find what you want at the grocery store. So whatever statistics of how things worked before are changed. But I know um, when I was working in the church, I I worked with youth and then um, we started a church together, Jen and I did. And I remember the statistics were like some hot, like eighty something percent of kids when they graduated high school graduated church. Like they stopped going to church, and um, that was happening a long time ago. And so there's all these conversations around. Well, okay, what's what's that about? And, and it was like constant conversations and church staffs around those things. But um, it's just the reality that kids are already asking all of those questions. It's just a matter of saying, are you gonna have the conversations with them as they? It's almost like. There was a, a whole movement of parents that um, not offloaded, but um, I can't outsourced. Outsourced—that's uh, the word but, I'm looking for. Yeah, outsourced, outsourced spiritual that's teaching the of their kids to a church, and then it was like too late to have the conversations after they had left and moved out. It's like that—that's not something we talk about, you know. But I feel like I love the idea of why not open all these questions and doors and let uh, and allow curiosity. And don't pretend that you can control what they're thinking. And just allow their thinking to be uh, in the open and free, and um, I, I that's beautiful.
3: Yeah, it requires a certain level of presence, like a, just a presence and observation, and just being with your kids and really seeing them for who they are. And and the most the most important thing on, on my journey was just seeing how how much my parents really lived everything they were talking about too. Mm-hmm. All the the Jesus teachings, all the the stuff that my dad was talking about. I was watching how it was actually um, he was actually embodying. It. And it was actually making him, I could see as a kid, how it was actually making him a more loving human, a more present father. Um, I could really like that. That was having a tremendous impact on me. So it wasn't anything that my parents were like pushing on me or telling me what to think. They were simply just modeling it with their own behavior. So that's what the, the most important parent, things parents can do is just be that influence for their kids by whatever they want to give their kids, whatever spiritual values, whatever connection they want to give their kids. I, how first are they living that? so that they can um, influence their kids in that way. That's the most important key for all of that. Um, And it's been the the biggest thing on my
0: journey and and the household I grew up in.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. That's fantastic. Um, Okay, last question for you. We're asking everybody this question um, in this season of um, We Can Make Change. And so, um, Trace, on your website, you say you help people develop a full picture spirituality that's about exploration and integration, which I love it. Um, What is one step that our listeners can make towards making change in their own life to move towards an integrated life where their spirituality connects with all of their life?
3: Mm, uh, Great question. Um, And I'm going to go, I'm going to say meditation is going to be my really meditation is something that I cannot stress enough. I mean, we could talk for for hours about the the endless benefits of meditation clearing your mind helping you become more present connecting you more to your body opening up your heart connecting you more to your intuition uh, but meditation is like having a consistent meditation practice has been the most important practice on my journey um, I'm a big, fan and, uh, of uh, theta wave meditation, which is I, there's these two, I just go on YouTube and type in theta wave meditations and just listen to those as I meditate. Tina has is trained in theta, theta wave healing, uh, theta healing. Um, so I, I, I could, for anyone listening, um, just to try theta wave meditation, just we listen to theta waves and we can send you some links. Yeah. Um, I, cause I, I just meditate, I just go with meditation because it has the most, it has the widest, uh, sort of array of, of benefits and it's, it just benefits in so many different ways. So Mm -hmm. I would go with meditation. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I second that, but since we don't need to talk about that again, um, (laughs) I I would say get really curious Mm
1: -hmm.
2: about what trauma healing modality you're willing to try Mm. And so I talk about capital T and lowercase T traumas. Capital T would be the obvious things. You're a Vietnam War vet. You've been raped. All those awful things. The rest of us who haven't had those experiences, I think, can be deluded into thinking that we somehow got off Mm scot-free. But I actually believe that the way that our society is oriented, we're constantly faced with lowercase T traumas. Things that these bodies weren't made to experience the levels of stress, the levels of exertion, the levels of input, um, the expectations on these vessels, and then add on top of it over time that we're not great at having an understanding of like the waves of grief and how long it takes to truly heal from losing a loved one, losing a beloved relationship losing a community, losing a job, being put into survival mode, all of these things. We don't even have to talk about the populations who are constantly living in traumas of of food scarcity or Mm. housing scarcity or being in prison or whatever else. I'm just talking about like middle-class humans are still um, faced with this stuff all the time. And so I think the only way we can heal all of us is to heal ourselves and then be a part of the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And I think along with modern society came um, this beautiful invention of talk therapy and talking about things doesn't always get it resolved when there it's actually energies that are hanging out in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just strengthens the pathway that that thing is going on or strengthens the story, especially if these stories are very compelling stories. Um, and so there are innumerable ways. I think trauma is now starting to have a day, um, just like meditation is like, these are things that are now on bestseller lists of understanding. There's a book called the body keeps the score. Yeah. 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 And, um, so whether it's something like EMDR or another method is called NARM or whether it's something physical, like we go to, uh, something called network spinal, which is a chiropractic modality, but it's not cracking the back. It's actually retraining the nervous system that you're safe, that you're okay. But the coolest thing about that is once you know you're safe and you're okay, you actually get to expand into the field of possibility of where your body and your being haven't yet gone because our brains only know what's happened. So we only know how to repeat what's happened or try to not repeat what's happened. There's this whole world of creation, and of infinite possibilities. Well, how do some people access that and other people don't? I think a huge part of this is if we get rid of the things that are telling our nervous system that we're not okay, basically misfiring from old incidences, (laughs) um, then we open ourselves to this entirely new spectrum of what is possible in our lives cuz we've mm. literally changed our own vibrational field. So that's my vote is meditate <laughs> and then figure out how you want to do some trauma work. Doesn't necessarily sound fun, but it's actually the most liberating and fulfilling thing that I've ever journeyed through.
0: And just to normalize, we all have trauma I and mean, we need to deal with it. Yeah, I love I how know. you said that's that. Great.
1: Like just you may think that you've gotten off the hook, but you probably no, we have haven't. something. Nobody has. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that because, and I think you're totally right that that trauma does keep you from all the fullness of life. And, and unless we deal with it, which it isn't fun, I don't think oh. at first to go into our deep pain places and actually face those things. And I mean, it, it, it does require some level of like, I don't know you call it work, but like intentionality and like openness, openness, courage, courage. Yeah. yeah. But then the healing on the other side and the freedom and the creativity and all the things that flow out of that. It's like, it's almost like I picture it like a, like a well that gets stopped up, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, we start taking like the pieces out of the like stopper and then suddenly it's like, you know, and I know that that's something that we've, something we've done over and over again in our life actually it's like a constant thread
0: put in some hours like things
1: things creep in and you have to go back and like okay it's time again let's do the work so thank you for that
0: you guys are awesome awesome.
1: you guys are so awesome thank
0: you for joining us and sharing and for what you're doing and we should love it thank you same (laughs) thank Thank you you. yeah you guys are so awesome
2: to be a part of partners who are doing ripple effect work in the world is like there's no greater gift
0: thanks guys
1: thanks so much for joining us don't forget to check out our website philandjenwood.com to register for upcoming experiences and to see what else is going on
0: and if you enjoyed this feel free to subscribe you can even leave a review keep going see you next time